0: Hi, welcome to the second uh, series of podcasts, this time uh, from uh, Bristol Grammar School, uh, Class of GCC. It's going to be on the Homeric world, um, and we've got four programmes about uh, the Mycenaean world, um, and then four programmes about the Odyssey, um, and what it tells us um, about Odysseus and Homer. We're going to start, though, uh, with key sites. Um, and uh, there are three sites which Mr Watkins is going to talk you through. So even though
1: it's called the Mycenaean world, we will look at three sites, one of which is called Mycenae. The other two are Tiryns and Troy. And the examiner expects you to be able to recognise Mycenae and Tiryns and Troy from a, uh, a sort of bird's eye view map and be able to know the key features of those sites. Almost all of this is knowing what happened,
0: uh, as much as we can, thousands of years ago. There is also one figure that we'll need to um, have a look at, um, and that's a guy called Heinrich Schliemann. Um, he's important, he's not a Mycenaean Uh, he's a German and he was around in the 19th century and he uh, was the excavator we'll come back to him when we come to look at some of the decorative items that were found and the graves that he dug up because it's going to be really important Um, but for this we're actually going to talk about the sites so we're going to start with Mycenae um, and uh, we'll start with, um, we're going to go through various words um, talk us through
1: first of all then what is the megaron So the Megaron is the palace. Um, Later on when we read the Odyssey, you'll recognise that from the big final battle at the end. And this is right in the middle at the highest point of both cities, Mycenae and Tiryns. Great. Uh, what, What kind of things would we have in the Megaron then? So what you're looking out for is a central hearth, that's a, a middle point where you'd have a fire and four columns holding up the ceiling. We'll come back to that, this
0: a bit in the second um, chapter um, and we'll actually have a look at an example of a megaron that you can have a look at. Um, second one is, um, is a term that uh, you may not be used to but uh, is a really important one for Mycenae that is sally ports. Now the sally ports are actually part of the defensive structure of the city. OK, so it helps um, the Mycenaeans to defend their city if they get attacked. And basically, they were these secret passages um, that allow the defenders to rush out through them and actually attack the enemies as they're trying to attack. So it's a bit like, uh, you know, the old idea of um, the best form of defence is attack. OK,
1: and, and the word sally is an old fashioned word, meaning to sort of sh- burst out on a short attack to sally forth. And port means gate here. It's nothing to do with ships really
0: important um, to note that the Sally Ports are something you'd talk about if you were talking about um, Mycenae as a defensive um, citadel, a kind of um, an area, uh, a city, um, and when it was getting attacked. Another really important one that you can focus on for uh, if the city gets attacked or besieged is the
1: cistern. So the cistern is a water storage system. Mycenae had uh, water flowing into the city and it was stored in a covered area and one of the words we need to start using is corbelling which was the mycenaean technique of covering a walkway or spanning a gap between two walls or buildings using increasingly larger stones um, and we see corbelling at the passage leading into the underground system this meant that if mycenae was besieged with enemies all around they still had access to clean fresh water to keep them going for longer
0: Quick reminder that uh, it's always useful, as you're listening to this podcast, if you can, to have the, uh, the official textbook in front of you, um, the um, Bloomsbury Myth and Religion and uh, Homeric World textbook. Um, if you're looking for a good picture of the underground system with corbelling really uh, clearly on show, that it is on page 156, uh, picture on the top left. Um, and you have corbelling um, not just on the system but on various other things which we'll come back to. Um, one of the key things about um, about Mycenae that you notice when you get there even today, but certainly would have noticed, noticed when you got there um, in the Mycenaean period, was the Lion Gate. Now, the Lion Gate um, had lions on the top, hence it's called uh, the Lion Gate. Um, but uh, the chief purpose of it, well, there were several. One was clearly um, in order to uh, impress the visitors. Uh, you've got these massive great lions on the top. You've got a slightly different uh, type of uh, stone uh, for the lines than you have for the surrounding walls. But you've also got this funneling idea, this idea that uh, the people that were getting in through the gate would have had to be um, turned into a small um, kind of a queue, really, to get in. Um, They'd been funneled through the gates and that would have made it a lot easier to defend the city. Good. There's a couple more things about uh, Mycenae, um, and uh, it, it's it's worth just just having a look through. As I say, um, w- there are going to be some things um, in the uh, chapter one um, that I mentioned in the textbook, which we were going to come back to a bit later, such as the uh, the graves, such as um, the treasury of Atreus. We're going to come back to those um, in chapter four. Um, but uh, we can we can pretty much move on to uh, to Tyrann's, I think unless Mr Watkins has got any key things about Mycenae just to mention. Well, I
1: think the last couple of things to say about Mycenae, you know, the examiner sort of interested in how would you know, how would it be successful defensively in a siege? It's got very tall, very strong, very thick walls, uh, often referred to as cyclopean walls. This is the mythological story that the walls were so big that they had to have been built by a giant such as the Cyclops.
0: And, of course, the Cyclops is something we're going to come back to as well because uh, in your Odyssey books, um, you're going to look at book nine um, and that will be really... Uh, a good opportunity to get a sense of the Cyclops that you
1: can then hopefully um, take over to your uh, understanding of the Mycenaean cities. Last two things on Mycenae in terms of defence then. It's on a hill, so any enemy approaching could be seen from a distance uh, coming up to you. Um, and it had two points of access, two gates either side of the city. Um, and this meant, uh, this meant that you only had to split your forces to defend two points rather than spread them any further. Great. Should we go on to Tiryns?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Tiryns um the, the the map of Tiryns is 1 is page 159. Um do make sure you've had a look at um the map of Mycenae page 154 before you do. Um, the things we've mentioned I think are the key things, but you can see all the different aspects um, that have been excavated on that. I think Mycenae
1: looks a bit like a steak. Yeah, uh, maybe like a ribeye steak and um or, or a t-bone steak and I think uh, Tyrrhens is distinctly sausage-shaped.
0: Yes, indeed, um, and most of the uh, the action really happens um, at the, the sort of south southeast um, end of Tyrrhens. Um, there are a lot of similarities with Mycenae. Um, it's around the same time, um, and it was um, it was excavated um, around the same time, um, and it, it's it's longer and shorter, um, hence the sausage. Um, analogy, um, but there are one or two key differences which we're just going to talk through now.
1: Well, and the, the, the one more similarity that is, is a, there's, a, there's a ramp to approach. This ramp is specifically described as being Cyclopean, so it's uh, so big it was built by a Cyclops. And the other similarity uh, is that it has a Megaron uh, in a raised section in the middle, which is more defended, sort of a last point of defense. One of the key differences
0: though, uh, and you can see a little picture of it on page 160 if you've got the textbook in front of you, um, is the gallery. Um, And the gallery, it doesn't seem 100% certain uh, exactly what it was used for, um, but there were a couple of things that seemed quite likely. There were a lot of rooms leading off it, which may well have been storerooms. They may well have been rooms used for other things. It was also um, a place, because of the corbelling in the gallery, and you'll remember what corbelling is um, from the discussion of the cistern at Mycenae, um, the the, the gallery um, with the corbelling, it meant you could walk along uh, inside the walls and yet still be um, defended. You could still kind of um, be able to uh, avoid any sort of attacks. Um, So it would have been quite useful defensively. So, um, similar
1: gates, um, th- there are... Um, so both three metres high, both uh, three metres wide, approximately. So that's Mycenae and Tiryns for the gates. And there are
0: gates, um, either side, you've got the west gate, and then you've got the, e- the eastern uh, gates, the gates on the eastern side. Um, and uh, again, there is um, a similar features. We've mentioned the uh, the ramp. We've also mentioned the idea of the funneling through the gate. The idea is you don't have a very uh, wide gate so that you can easily
1: uh, sort of close it off if you're under attack. And once you, what's interesting about Tiryns defensively is once you've entered Tiryns through that Cyclopean ramp in the east side, there are then two gates separated which you have to go through first and then second, almost like an antechamber, which is very long and narrow. This would give the enemy a tight chamber to be held into and the defending people of Tiryns an easy opportunity to see off any enemies stuck in that antechamber. Um, I should probably mention that the west gate, uh, opposite the east gate, is uh, on a wall that's curved. And um, the idea is that a a flat wall is much more vulnerable to to missiles or to sort of impact attack, whereas a round wall is clearly designed on purpose. It gives better vision for defenders, but also it's harder to break.
0: Okay, so. um, On to Troy. On to Troy. Now, um, it's important you realise that the prescribed sources for this topic, for the key sites, are Mycenaean Tyrans. But they do also say that you need to know about Troy. Um, Not in as great detail. The key thing you need to know about Troy, and this is the city that's uh, currently in the northwest um, of Turkey, it is supposedly the place where um, Homer's Iliad, which was uh, the uh, text which um, was supposed to have been written by a man called Homer. Uh, you'll know him, obviously, uh, if nothing else, um, because you're going to be reading the Odyssey, some books of the Odyssey. But he also wrote the Iliad, which is about the war at Troy. Um, this is supposed to be the same Troy, that the, and the Troy that Homer describes may well be one of the layers that we now know um, were excavated um, in this location. Um, basically, they are indicated by Roman uh, numerals going from Troy I, which is Troy I, um, all the way um, down, um, and the the two key possible uh, real Troys, if you like, the, the Troys that were described by Homer, um, are Troy 6 and Troy 7A. So that's Troy
1: VI, six and Troy VII, which is A. If you, uh, to really force my uh, food analogies for spotting the cities, if you look at the uh, bird's eye view plan of Troy, it looks a little bit like a fried egg, sort of round with the key sites in the middle. And then to really hammer this uh, analogy home, um, think of it like an onion there are different layers as over time we go through the layers we see different historical moments in Troy one through to seven the let's think about the exam the examiner wants you to know about Troy in terms of asking yourself what evidence do we have that this is Homer's Troy and what evidence do we have that this isn't Homer's Troy and they want you to have an opinion on that and argue both sides now, they're not gonna ask you about Troy's one, two, three, four, they're going to ask you about Troy six, is that Homer's Troy or not? And Troy seven A, is that Troy or Homer's Troy or not? So to begin with, uh, Mr. Keene, can you give us the arguments um, for Troy six being Homer's Troy? Good,
0: okay, so um, if you wanna follow along and you have the textbook page, one, six, one is uh, where you'll find this. Um, the destruction date. Now, what we know about Troy from Homer is there was a war and it was destroyed and um, plenty of other things that people know, some of which was told by Homer, some of which wasn't, um, such as the, the Trojan horse you may um, you may know about, but it was destroyed and... Homer kind of imagines that this uh this this war happened kind of a few hundred years before he was writing um and people have dated that at sort of the, the 13th century BC so sort of 1250 to 1200 BC now Troy 6 was destroyed we know almost exactly that time um it was a city with a lot of houses in and that's certainly how it's described um, in the Iliad again so that may well have been what they were talking about when they were talking about Troy. Um, One of the things the Iliad um, and Homer uses to describe Troy is the the high-walled Troy so the Troy with its high walls um, sort of it's um, sometimes described as having beetling towers, Um, beetling sort of meaning these kind of impressive um, high um, towers Um, and we know that Troy had seven metre high um, walls. So again, that would fit. Um, I've mentioned the towers, Uh, the towers kind of alongside the walls um, become a really important um, feature, again, uh, described in the Iliad. Um, And it was really uh, large in terms of its area. Um, It probably would have fitted around 10,000 people in. It's a thriving city. Again, that's how it's described in the Iliad. All of this, if you were uh, in a sort of court of law, is very circumstantial. And yet, of course, we're kind of talking about what might have been. Um, There's only really one key uh, detail that really starts to kind of throw doubt on this that's mentioned by the textbook at least there are there are other kind of um, ideas to and fro, and that is that it seems from all the evidence of the stones that we found that it was actually destroyed by an earthquake so therefore, if the literature is to be believed um, Troy was destroyed uh, by fire, it was burnt down by the Greeks. Well, that wouldn't fit for Troy 6, because we know that that's not how, or it seems that that's not how Troy 6 was uh, destroyed. Um, Troy 7A goes straight on top of that. Um, And uh, Mr Watkins is now going to talk through uh, the evidence that it was Troy 7A. Great.
1: So the evidence for Troy 7A being Homer's Troy is probably overall less strong. Form your own opinion, do and in the exam, make sure you're right. In my opinion, I think <clears> that. But uh, the evidence for 7a being Troy Homer's Troy is slightly less strong. Um, it was a settlement that only existed for about 30 40 years. Um, it had large towers, just like Troy 6 and just like Homer's Troy. However, it had single story houses, which and they're really crowded together. This would suggest. This was emergency housing built quickly, evidence of a city under siege. Um, There were then lots of storage jars which have been sunk deep into the ground, not just resting on the ground for immediate use, suggesting a people storing food under siege. There is evidence, unlike Troy 6 being destroyed by an earthquake, that Troy 7a was destroyed by a large fire. And uh, just as Virgil writes, he writes that Troy was destroyed by a fire started by the Greeks. There are partial human remains found in Troy 7a, suggestive suggestive of warfare, and there are bronze arrowheads. Now this isn't great evidence, but it's enough to give you some marks in the exam. What is the evidence against this being Homer's Troy? Well, the houses are really crammed together. That does not indicate a rich city. And the one described by Homer is clearly rich. people storing food in those sunken jars we mentioned earlier, that could just be people with not much space. So that's all the evidence we have to argue for and against um, Troy 7a being Homer's Troy, which leads us on to our last point on Mycenae, the Mycenaean sites, and that is the dating and periods. So the best thing to do for this is to turn your textbooks to page 152, which gives you the timeline of the Mycenaean age. Um, so do have a read of that but but basically the the Mycenaean age started around one thousand six hundred b c so over three and a half thousand years ago and that early two hundred year span is called the early period. after that, we have the palatial period, and that's fourteen hundred to twelve fifty b c that's when the great palaces were built, and then later than that. 1250 to 1150, we have the later period. And that's when the Mycenaean age came to an end and, and lots of the cities were attacked, abandoned or destroyed.
0: Great, so that pretty much brings us to the end of the uh, episode on the key sites. Um, worth remembering, uh, as I've said, that Mycena- Mycenaean Tiryns are both Mycenaean um, cities. Um, don't get too focused on Mycenae because then Tiryns could basically dominate your exam and then you're going to be wishing you'd uh, spent that time on Tyrin's. Do look at Troy, but don't forget the details of what is actually there are only important um, to, a, to a degree. They're only important in describing whether you think it was uh Sort of the, the Troy of the Iliad and and do by all means come up with the suggestion um, which is pretty sensible that probably homer 's Troy in the Iliad may be some sort of mix of the loss of yeah. them um, there isn 't any need to kind of say, "Well, I think it was definitely six because." because ultimately homer's iliad is not history it's not intended to be some kind of geographical treatise um sort of you know it's not a a, a kind of uh a historical uh, analysis of um uh, a, a group of people who lived in a city at a particular time um it is um it is fiction or kind of you know a type of fiction OK, so thanks very much. And um, that's uh, number one. Um, and I uh, hope you'll join us again um, in chapter two, um, because for chapter two, episode two um, of the podcast, we're going to move on to talking about life and the Mycenaean age, um, what they hunted, um, what palaces uh, they lived in, um, what their clothing was like and, and things like that.